Hello and welcome into another edition of SAS Whispers. My name is Jay McFarlane. And did you know that today an average company uses 254 SAS apps? And this number is expected to increase. As a result, IT leaders are faced with a whole new, fresh set of challenges related to managing this multitude of applications, including SaaS sprawl, shadow IT, and compliance risks. Now, with SaaS becoming the norm, there has been a rise in newer IT roles, such as the SaaS Operations Manager, or we call it SaaS Ops Manager. These professionals typically manage and optimize the company's SaaS apps, their provisions, they implement security measures, and they manage vendor relationships and more. So, in this latest season of SaaS Whispers, we will explore the world of SaaS operations with our expert guests who will share their experiences on managing SaaS apps in their companies. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Michelle Lieberman. She's a SaaS operations manager at smartcommunications.com. You're going to love her input and experience on how they go about managing SaaS applications, how they limit uh, security exposure, and how they work between IT and the front line to make sure that they're providing the best applications possible. And finally, to figure out which applications perhaps no longer need to be used and getting control of those costs that can really grow quickly when it comes to SaaS. But before we speak to our guests, I would love to take a moment and quickly talk to you about Zlurry. They are a leading SaaS management platform that helps IT teams manage, optimize, and automate their tech stack. Now, right now, you can save up to 30% on your software spend by identifying redundant apps, shadow IT, and, of course, overpriced vendors. Get a free estimate of savings today. Talk to SaaS experts at Zlurry.com. Well, Michelle, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. I always like to start out by asking the question, what did you want to be when you when you grow up and how does that compare to where you landed and where you are now? I've always, from a very early age, wanted to, 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 to do something with computers. It's from, it was my, I was begging my mom at the age of 13 to get me, I think it was a, an Amiga machine, Amiga 500. It had Windows. It was yeah. gooey. It had UI. It was just so full of potential and fun that I, I was just hooked. I was very, very lucky when I was young. We moved country. I'm from the UK. So we moved to a different country. We moved to Israel. And mm. at that time, I'm going to show my age now, they were just starting to teach IT um, programming in schools as a vocation. So I didn't really know the language, but I knew English and all IT, all, all programming was done in English. It just worked really, really well. I was very lucky. Well, and where I am now, hmm. <laughs> well, I'm still doing the thing I love. 
so I'm in a good place. It's good. Yeah. How did you go from a 13 year old with an Amiga computer to uh, being in the field you're at? I'm sure that that was quite the journey as well. Oh, it was very natural. I was very lucky. So school, part of school was learning how to program. And then from there, because, you, you know, they take people on strengths, especially in Israel, they'll, they'll, they pull you into the army and they put you where you belong. So from there, it was just meant to be. I mean, the career just flew up and I was only maybe 21, 22 at the time. I was already out in the market. And yeah, I had a full six years of experience applying me. So it was great. It was, well, not six. Maybe I was a bit older. I'm not saying. <laughs> Not well, it sounds like it sounds like you were just on a natural course from from birth, basically. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've um, have you read the outliers, uh -huh. the people that are in the right place at the right yep. time. Yep. Just happen to be, just happen to be. So I'm I'm not a you know a huge, I don't have a huge startup, but the career was it was the one that I wanted and the one that I got, so it's quite good. Well, and you sound very, very happy and excited in describing what you do every day. So that tells me you have a love and a passion for it. Yes, it's uh, it, it's I think it's a it's a blessing to be able to do what you like to do in an environment that you like to be in uh, with people that you like to be with. So, yeah, as long as you're having fun, you know, you're in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I am curious for yourself, what what skills did you bring along? What skills do you think you personally have that make you a leader in, in what you're doing right now? So you need to have expertise in what you do. There's, there's no doubt about it. You can't um, get away with being mediocre. You need to understand why things happen, why things are the way they are less about the expertise. My teams, they are the experts. They know exactly what's what. I can't compete with them. I don't even want to. Why would you want to? What I bring to the table, what enables me to be a good leader is I know and value their time. And I know what should work. And I can help them along with making sure that what we're doing is in the best interests of the business um, and their efforts are valued and going to be productive because there's nothing worse than working on a project and then finding out, hmm, nope, sorry, it didn't meet requirements. It goes out the window. That's the saddest thing in the world. So I want them to know that if they're doing something, it's going to be worthwhile. It's going to have a great output you know, and the business actually needs it. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like you're the exact opposite of a micromanager. It sounds like you trust your team, you know what they can do, and you know you can lead them to that direction without, you know, hanging over their shoulder and telling them what to do. Oh, but you have to ask my team about that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> tell you if I micromanage. <laughs> well, I am I am curious. We've had such strange times in the last 
few years. We've had a pandemic uh, where we've all had to go back to our homes. We're now at least here in the U.S. and and I hear this uh, as as I read about the U.K. Um, possible recession, you know, coming up ahead of us. How do you or what actions do you take during these times to stay ahead of those or I guess to pivot because we all had to pivot so hard during the pandemic and I didn't think we were going to make it, but we did miraculously. We did it. And so I'm curious what you did then and what your thoughts are of the future. Um. So when the pandemic hit, I think the companies that did well were the companies that were flexible, the companies that had good people, people that were already invested in, that were invested in the business. Everyone was in a bad state in the pandemic. It was all about having a good family of people around you who will look after you, make sure you're covered, everyone's covered, uh, and the business can continue because we all valued our jobs very much during the, the pandemic, everybody did. A lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people's partners lost their jobs because there was an inevitable shrinking for the, for the businesses that couldn't cope or didn't have the reason to exist during a couple of years of there's no, you know, restaurants, pubs. It was it was all about sort of pulling together to help all the people around you um, survive, really. But I think even the companies that the, the companies that were flexible, the companies that had all the infrastructure in place that were not tied down by physical locations or physical networks, those are the companies that actually managed to do even more and adapt at the time of the pandemic, at the time when things were going wrong. It's like, how can we help the bigger community? How can we help get technology out there um, to people who need it? Um, and, and those are the companies that you should be watching out for because those are the ones that, that have already invested in their people in their abilities. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, then you should join the SaaS Whispers community. It is a private space for IT leaders and professionals to network, learn, and grow together. Join us on slurry.com forward slash community. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I, I remember the discussions before the pandemic about could we go to a home office uh, environment. And there were companies who said, oh, yes, that's right. Everybody said, no way. We can't do that. We can't manage people. We don't know what they're doing. Uh, all of those things. And then here comes a pandemic and we realize not only can we do it, but we can do it well. But if SAS wasn't around, I, we wouldn't have survived. I, I just don't think we would have. Would you agree with that? It's, it would have been very challenging. How would you have communicated? You'd have had to have everyone communicating into a centralized office. It, it would have been, it would have been a nightmare. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it was for a lot of companies. 
Um, I know that there were companies that said, look, no, it's not happening. Everyone's in the office. And there were people who would um, show up in the office because that is the person, that is the person who's leading their company. That's what they believed um, that had to be done. Um, we, I think we worked in an office building. One of the one of the companies afterwards told me with, with a huge pride of in his voice, it's like, all of our employees were working here every day. And I'm like, really? Why? I'm <laughs> 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 going to be very good for them. And I'm pretty sure they're not, they don't appreciate that. Right. Um, but okay, if you needed them there, then there must have been a business reason. I hope there was a business reason. There could have yeah. been. Yeah, Maybe and now was. we've learned. Now we've learned that it is possible, and a lot of people are staying home for good. They don't have the commute time, uh, the expense of the commute, uh, so many different things. Um, we've learned that we can do it, depending upon the industry and the software available. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I am, I am curious uh, about your opinion on the difference between or your preference between uh, SaaS compared to on-prem software. W w is there one that you prefer, a combination of both? So if it was, it's all about risk, isn't it? You, 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 it depends. It, the answer is it depends. If you have a business that needs data and needs to protect that data, then and, and you're not willing or you're not willing or there is no SaaS provider that will provide you with the safeguarding that you require for your data, then then keep it in house. It's it's you know, if if it's not worth the risk to you, that's a business decision for there are obviously there are mitigations that you can put into place when you have data like that. You can make sure that the SaaS company is serious. It's well, you know, it's well funded. It's it's a it's a good business, and you can see things like security. You can check, you know, you can check whether they are safeguarding your data by checking on compliance. Are they ISO 27001? Do they have, if they're doing PCI uh, card payments, do they have the PCI? Those are, those are stamps that you can't just get if you're not, if the company's not really invested in the data that they're processing. So th there are ways of knowing whether the SaaS company can handle what you need it to handle. Um, when you're not sure, then on-prem it is. But SaaS products, they, they save a lot of time and effort on your side. They've got, you've got the infrastructure, you've got the network configurations and the setup and the installations, and you have to have an admin that's specially trained to install the product, and you have to test every single release, and you have to patch it. it there's so much work around managing a product that it's not your, it's, well, it's not my business to manage that. I, it will be my business if I have to, but it's not my business, it's not my interest to take out my team and say, okay, now this 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 month you're going to be doing this upgrade. You're going to be doing that upgrade. It's much more um, useful for my team to be doing things that are good for my business. And that's why SaaS is fantastic because I have all of those layers. They just, they're gone. 
um, you still need somebody to know how to admin the product. You still need to manage the access and the data and the onboarding and the offboarding. It's all there, but there are so many layers that aren't really necessary that you can hand over. I mean, for our own business, it was it was regenerating, it was rejuvenating, going from. Um, so I work for a company that also has a SaaS product when we sell it, um, our product to um, more or less fintech um, companies. So for us, we had an on-prem product and we were struggling to support our wonderful customers who had all the safeguardings in their network that they needed to, to protect their own data and wanted to run with their experts, like, for example, IBM WebSphere experts or or you know, Oracle WebLogic experts. So everyone had their own way of running. And it was a nightmare because you want to deploy that and you want this customer to be successful, but you're coming up against the customer's environment, the customer's experts. And not all customers have a lot of experts. Some of them don't have the infrastructure that's needed and the people that are needed and the time that's needed to implement all the products. So we were finding we were spending so much time on testing the different combinations and uh, trying to support our customers. So why not host it ourselves? Let's take the responsibility, processing the data. What do we need for that? And that's completely changed our business as well. So we do have our on-prem for people who are so safeguarding of their data that they need it on in-house and it's fine. Um, but we have our other customers who are willing to put their data in our hands and we show them, yeah, look, we've got, we've got all the certification. These are our certifications. You can see we're audited to the nth degree. We are kept, um, we are kept honest by <laughs> the good people who come and check that we're doing what we say we do and making us prove that we do what we say we do. Yeah, and that that's so important because if if I'm a company and I'm using a SaaS provider and that SaaS provider has a security leak, my customers don't blame the the SaaS company. They don't even know they exist. They blame me and and it's our responsibility and that that could be a huge breakout down. Yeah. So those safeguards are infinitely important. Yeah, exactly. It's all about risk. Yeah. Do you trust the person you're putting your data with? Do you? Uh, and, and obviously there are some, some SaaS products that are quite lightweight. So you'll put a project in there. Um, project management, uh, for example, um, uh, CRM, a little bit more important, <laughs> but again, uh, a little lightweight. Um, so yeah, there, there are products that are a bit more lightweight and you, you know, you might not do all the safeguard checking for those, but if you're putting your own data in, your own, uh, your own sort of money makers in there, then yeah, you're going to do your your safeguards to make sure that the product and the company are sound. Yeah, absolutely. I do still remember the days of engineering saying or IT saying we're going to have to upload everybody's computer, and so they would go through a cubicle farm and one at a time upload each of those computers and it's one of the things i love about SaaS is we just don't see that very often i mean it could take a week to upload a, a company's software and i'm like this is such wasted downtime so i'm glad to see that change yes it's very welcome 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. I am curious because one of the problems we see with SaaS is it's so easy to pick up a SaaS program. And so you have an employee, maybe they have an employee credit card and they do the internet search and they're like, wow, this is just what I need. And they purchase a, you know, they, without you knowing or anybody else, they've, they've now got your data going over to this SaaS application that hasn't been vetted by you. And in fact, I have a number here, 30% of SaaS software spending is unused or wasted in a company. How do you, how do you manage this and keep your employees from using what you've approved and what you've vetted? So it all starts and everything in life all starts from the money. You follow the money. You don't allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Not many employees will foot the bill for a SaaS product on their own. Right. If they're not allowed to, if they're not allowed to um, expense it and if they don't have a credit card, let's start with that. That's the first way. I'm not saying that our business manages SaaS software the best there is. Of course not. Um, There's a lot of room for improvement. But it starts with who can expense what. Um, Unfortunately, you're absolutely right. Anyone can take data out of your company and put it somewhere. Um, You know, be it, you know, their own OneDrive um, account. Uh, and you need to put safeguards in, in place to, to make everyone aware that, no, that's not okay. <laughs> uh, and to make sure that there's a, a, a level of uh, engagement with the different um, with the different teams. For us, it's um, the, the compliance team who get a look at the SaaS companies ahead of time. So there's no purchase done without going through finance, legal, SaaS looking at terms and conditions and so on and so forth. That's how to to, to get anything. Um, where we could improve would be to also add the um, the IT team in to evaluate the product and not to be blockers because IT should not be a blocker. It should be an enabler. Um, but to ask relevant questions because we've got products, I'll tell you some stories, um, <laughs> where people have gone in and generated beautiful resources, beautiful either, you know, images or charts and things like that. And there's no way to get the data out. It's proprietary data. You can take a picture of it, but that project, as it were, to be able to to change it, it's now static. Mm. And whoever started that process, whoever chose that product, didn't think of the end game, which is unfortunately a lot of the time we're thinking of the end game. Can you get your data out? Um, So you ask the person who's found this wonderful project, what would you do if I took it away from you? Would you be really disappointed? Would you be medium disappointed? Would you be, okay, that's not a problem. But what would you do about the data that's in in the SaaS product? You know, it's not about how disappointed you are. It is a bit about how disappointed you are. But what about the data? If I were to tell you, you had to take all of that and move it somewhere else, would you be happy to do that? And if you're happy to do that, you have your mechanism, you know what you're going to do, then it sounds like it's something that can be used safely. Because when it comes down to it, companies, they grow and they shrink and they grow and they shrink. And we need to do that to be successful 
in life, in, in, in the business world. Sometimes we get bigger, sometimes we get smaller. Yeah? Um, and to be able to get smaller, you need to be able to reduce the licenses, reduce costs and remove SaaS when it, where, where, where it's not needed anymore. Sometimes, you know, products can be a crutch. We did it, we're doing it this way because we've always done it this way. And that's not necessarily something that will, is, is helping the business. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that particular thing. How do you how do you even monitor the effectiveness of your SaaS applications? And and along with that, oftentimes IT has an idea and I've experienced this so so many times about what a good SaaS application would be, but the front line, the ones who are using it, they're like this is junk. This doesn't work for us at all. And so there's a, you know, there's a relationship there in choosing those applications and minimizing them at the same time if you don't need them as much. Yeah, I mean, we had a huge, um, a huge dilemma in our company about two messaging platforms. Um, one of them was hip, it was new, everybody loved it, it was easy to use, had all the features that everybody wanted, and the other was a bit, it wasn't, <laughs> it was a great platform, but it wasn't as sexy, sorry, it wasn't, <laughs> um, but one of them allowed, it, uh, allowed management of users, and the other one left us completely open to a huge data leak, because you couldn't manage users, right? So you would have ended up with ex-employees being part of groups, sort of similar to a WhatsApp group. If you're going to manage your business on WhatsApp, who manages all the groups? Mm. Who makes sure that ex-employees are removed? So it's easy maybe for a startup, but you get bigger, it becomes, it becomes a, a job in itself trying to find the employees that have left and making sure that data isn't leaking in that way. Um, so in the end, you just have to sort of bite the bullet, make the choice. Somebody has to make that choice. And it, it typically would be senior, you know, the senior execs to say, look, what are the differences? What are we gaining and what are we losing? And whether they're willing to take that. Um, I don't see that IT should be a, a limiter. It's just typically that, um, Sometimes we see, the, you know, we've got a bit more experience with what could happen um, and what the bigger picture is. And people understand that when when you tell them, you know, uh, you know, you, you get a demand, I want this. Uh, OK. And um, what's going to happen when it needs patching? Are you going to do that? Oh, yeah, I'll do it. What about upgrades? Uh, yeah, we can do that as well. <laughs> and you just ask them, what do they expect to happen here? Who needs access? Um, Oh, only me, <laughs> only my team. Is your team going to grow? It's asking the questions to show them that there are different things that they need to consider and asking them how they want to manage that. And if they want to manage it and, you know, if they're happy to, then it's fine. You know, we've got some um, products, I think, um, that are being used that are completely self-managed by the teams that own them because the data has been deemed to not be... Um, dangerous if it was lost so that's okay and that's fine and that gives the teams the creative um ability to choose the tool that that, that suits them which is also good because that will enable them to be on the full yeah 
Right, right. It sounds like communication uh, where you're at between the front line and, and IT is critical and something that you take advantage of on a regular basis. Communication and good relationships, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, do you use any kind of system, software, spreadsheets to keep track of all your all of your SaaS applications? Um, we have not got anything centralized, no. Okay. Um, no, we don't have anything organized. We do have some systems that will tell us what we what we have. So we know what what's there, but nothing centralized in a way that um, would be a very good indicator of uh, um, which SaaS products are out there. So everything will go through, um, for example, our legal department and our compliance department. So the data that's being exposed is very known uh, in our company. But no, we don't manage it very well. Well, I, I get the feeling that you've got everything pretty locked down. So um, just talking to you, I think that's a real priority for you. It's important to get things right. So, especially in a company like ours. So we want to do things in, a, uh, in an organized fashion. But no, we don't have a viewpoint of SaaS as a thing. Um, it's funny, my, my role is a SaaS operations manager. And um, I believe that's why I was approached for this. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I was a SaaS operations manager before there was a lot of SaaS. Um, because we were creating a new SaaS environment. So that was my role to make sure that our SaaS operations was um, was doing and meeting its goals and targets. Um, by the by, I also manage the IT department. So um, I also do the, uh, the SaaS operational part of it. But you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much out there um, that needs managing. So I see this space developing in the future, potentially as a role of its own. Yeah, yeah, a, a setup where you need a separate system to manage all of your SaaS applications so that you know what's being used, who's using it, um, you know, what type of money you're spending on it, because that's a, that's a huge factor we haven't even talked about. Um, I can see how that can be really beneficial, especially for companies who use a lot of a lot of SaaS. Getting organized is very important. Um, yeah, uh, at the moment, what we do is we have our champions. So the champions, they drive the product. They drive uh, engagement with the product. And if there is no engagement uh, or the financial terms change they will drive the um the the removal of the product so but there is no visibility there is no visibility that you know i know that some people some of the owners are driving and they, they know how to keep their the the providers in check and make sure that we're not spending too much etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's no centralized um viewpoint of it from a business perspective very good. Very good. I do have just a few more questions, if you don't mind. I love to ask, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out in IT? Just 
like you. They had an interest, only now it's not going to be an Amiga computer. It's going to be a little bit farther along. Uh, any advice that you would give them? Mining for Bitcoin on AWS, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is, this is my favorite. Okay. Only do, if you, only do it if you love it. You've got to love it because it's hard. It's, it's a battle. Getting things to work is a battle and you've got to love it. You've got to love to want to solve that. You want to be the person that wants to solve the problem, wants to learn the new things. You have to constantly learn new things. It's just, that's the way it is. Um, so you've got to love that. Um, for people, not in programming per se, um, for infrastructure, anyone in infrastructure, anyone in admin, a sysadmin, you've got to be brave. You've got to make the leap but also be prepared for things to go wrong. Um, I get a lot of people who aren't brave. They too scared to, to, to make the change, too scared to mm. try something out. You have to be brave, um, but also prepared. <laughs> what can go wrong? Um, oh, um, learn regex. <laughs> It'll change your life. <laughs> You've got to know regex. It's worth the effort of put, getting your head around it because uh, Excel too, you can, you need to be able to manipulate data and regex and, and Excel, they can help you do that. And knowing how to, to pivot a, a table to get good information out of it, that will enable you to make better, you know, do your job in a, in a more informed way to even, you know, just changing one thing from one output to another. It, it's something I missed. I come from mainframes back in the day and we had that there. And then when we moved out, when I moved out to a different, you know, to, to PCs and, and well, open systems like IBM AIX, um, it disappeared. So learning regex was the way of me coming back home and being able to manipulate data to, to be used afterwards. And that's all that's all great advice. I love I love the idea of bravery and I love the idea of being prepared to always learn because the one thing we know about IT it is never static. It is changing at such a fierce pace right now. You have to be willing and spend the time to keep up with it or you will fall behind so quickly. It's it's an amazing world that we live in. Yeah, especially now with uh, with the latest sleep into artificial intelligence, um, it's it's going to be harder for newbies to join and get in there because with AI you need to know what to ask for. Mm. You need to have the experience to focus it, um, which is great for people like me, but it's very difficult for people coming in. So jump in right now. <laughs> yeah, and that, so now there's going to be college courses and degrees on just AI and how to use it, right? Uh, there, I think there already are. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's gonna it's gonna make us be. Well, yeah, I think it's gonna make us be a bit more real. You've got to know what to ask. You've got to know what you want um, to get. Uh, to get what you want out of AI. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you're asking it a generic question, you're going to get a generic answer. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. So uh, really need to know the the insides of what you want. I think I heard a <laughs> I heard a story about a teacher who was using AI to teach um, her her kids uh, her her class how to write an essay. So she said, look. Let's, let's put the essay into the AI and the AI spat out a lovely essay and she used the essay to teach the children what could be improved. So she talked to them about voice when you're writing, who's your voice. Um, she talked to them about using examples. Well, at this point in time, yeah, I wasn't very good at taking examples out of the text that they were studying and putting it in. So she used what was there to to get more into the intricate parts of mm. how to write an essay properly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be good yeah, yeah. in general, but, yeah, more specific. I know people who are afraid of it, but I think overall it's going to be good. Yes, uh, the, there is that, but there are always people who are afraid. Yeah. Got to be yeah. brave, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, That's where right. the brave comes in. That's right. Be brave. Um, final question. Any thoughts about the future of SaaS ops and how you see SaaS evolving over over the years, future years? As the operations manager? Just in in your idea of of where you see SaaS. I know it's it's kind of an ethereal question, so just just whatever pops to mind. Um, well, it's not going anywhere. Right. It just makes too much sense. I think the next generation will be probably somebody like AWS providing a platform to provide SaaS. <laughs> so somebody to, to take the, the underlying difficulties that you have and allowing you to leverage, leverage or the certifications that you need, a platform, maybe an Uber platform. There we go. You heard it from me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I will make a note. I mean, for me personally, it's already changed my life. I work from home uh, because of SaaS. I can work anywhere as long as I have a laptop and an internet connection. I'm not tied to a building, to anything. And I feel I'm more productive. I know not everybody feels that way, but I, I couldn't live without it. I mean, even this, uh, even this recording that we're doing right now is done through SaaS. So I'm, I'm just a huge fan and I can't wait to see where it's going. Yes, it's going to be exciting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure hearing your experience and I love your passion. And I love that from day one, you knew what you want to be and you got there and you love it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. Once again, I want to thank Michelle Lieberman, SAS operations manager for smartcommunications.com. She was very kind to take a few minutes with us and share her passion and her experience when it comes to SaaS ops or SaaS operations. And you can see the amount of work it takes to 
bring in a new SaaS provider and make sure that they are security compliant and at the same time make sure that it is the best solution for the employees who are going to be using those applications. And then on top of that, keeping track of all of the SaaS applications within your organization. It is definitely a full-time task. I want to thank her for sharing her thoughts. Once again, this is SaaS Whispers, and my name is Jay McFarland.